this is not one and I never listen well I have a terrible secret is I do listen I've listened to every one of your shows and I'm so ashamed to say, say this but I really love it anyway bye hi this is Andrew Lumerick Majewski saying I never listened to the Order 66 podcast because a certain GM Phil doesn't want me to learn how to cune his Sith Lords. You're the better brother I anyway. I should really stop listening to everything he tells me to do. <clears throat> Hi-ho! Oh, Kermit the Frog here. Oh, hey, Dad. It's great Wait, to Dad. be... Dad, what are you doing? I'm talking like Darth Kermit the Frog. Why? For the Order 66 podcast. <laughs> Dad, we never listen to the Order 66 podcast. This episode of the Order 66 podcast brought to you by the generous donations of Kevin Malone, Donald Weller, B. Witzel, Andy Bethel, Darren Hampton, Trevor Hill, and William Sullivan, as well as lots of viewers and listeners like you. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Broadcast live, you're listening to the Order 66 podcast. Brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and Wayne Basta, author of the Aristia series of novels. What is up, Gamer Nation? GM Chris here. For those who may be tuning in for the first time, welcome to the Order 66 podcast, the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars role-playing. And joining me tonight are the two men who have stolen my heart and my mind and my dice, you bastards. Um, My friends and our fellow hosts, GM Dave and GM Phil. What is up, gentlemen? Good day. Give me my dice. Give me my dice. Just sitting there rolling your dice, man. God. He's got your dice in his sack. Uh, and um, so it is. It is the 26th of June, um, 2016, at a little after eight in the PM. Um, which I'm, I'm curious. It looks like your prediction was right. Dave predicted of the normal scores that we have watching live of the simulcast tonight. Dave predicted three. Because tonight also coincides with the season six finale for Game of Thrones. Um, Looks like we're at four. We're at four. Are we at four? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's more than I had thought. I thought we were going to have an empty live chat tonight because of that. But, hey, it's 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 these guys are committed. That's all I got to say. We also have one Anonymous. Ooh, an Anonymous? Yes. Ooh. Can't knock the Anonymous. The Anonymous. No. <laughs> Very powerful they are. Mm. Yes, well, thank you guys for taking your time to uh, do this show with me instead of watching the season finale of Game of Thrones at the earliest possible time. 
Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, that's fine. But I can tell you as soon as this episode's over, I'm going to go watch it. <laughs> Me too. I mean, we all know Cersei's about to blow up King's Landing. I mean, seriously. Burn them all. <laughs> um, I'm still trying to figure out where she got the Simtex. Uh, <laughs> it's called Dragon Fire, okay? It's, okay, it's green. It's green and like, all right. I mean, the thing is, when the first men came down from the Andals. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they apparently had C4. <laughs> they did, but a dragon, a dragon breathed on it. And it liquefied and turned green. Come on, Phil. Perion knows this. Yeah, there's dragon glass. This is dragon clay. It's different. Dragon, this is <laughs> dragon water. Oh, um, now I'm going to use that some kind of retro, post-apocalyptic fantasy version. Oh, this is dragon clay. Savage Rifts. I C4 on it. Savage Rifts. Know. I'm telling you, Savage Rifts. See? Uh, well, possibly. Possibly. It's a, it's a, it's a, look, Skywalking left. We're down to three. Bam. <laughs> Boom. He'll be back. Um... Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Well, guys, um, do you want to get into the show proper? Because we have a big show ahead of us. Yeah, I think we should. Let's do it. Yeah. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. All right, feature podcast this week. Feature podcast. Yes. Did you know that when the insanity threatens to consume your soul, we at D20 Radio rely on only one cure, and it's not more cowbell. It's the Miskatonic University podcast, or the MUP as we call it. Very own keepers, Dan, Murph, and Chad, not the Chad from The Bachelorette. Continue their superb look at Call of Cthulhu role-playing with episode 101. No accounting for that fella's strength. (laughs) (laughs) But they take a really good look at the lesser-used skills and what they can bring to the table. It's a great show. You guys should listen in. And, of course, you can find this and many more great podcasts at www.d20radio.com. I loved the R roll. Ooh. Well, Phil, do I have any FFG news? We have quite a bit here. Uh, we do, and we've got some. I want to lead off with uh, with possibly their biggest news. Um, fresh out of the 2016 Origins in Columbus, Ohio, uh, Final Fantasy Games and Star Wars performed exceptionally well at Final the Fa- Origin <laughs> Final Fantasy Games. <laughs> you said Final Fantasy Games. That's so awesome. I did? Yes. <laughs> There's Star Wars RPG 12. My God, I, I, sorry, Fantasy Flight Games. Woo, wow. I don't know what happened there. Um, anyway, uh, they did really well in three of the biggest categories: board games, miniature games, and role-playing games. Board games. They got, uh, uh, they won the Origin Award for Imperial Assault. They also won the Fan Favorite Award. Miniature games. Armada took the took the gold there. And they also won the fan favorite miniatures game. God. And finally, as a, a nod to the third book in the trilogy, uh, they find they and Jay Little and Sam Stewart and Andy Fisher and all the boys and girls over at uh, Star Wars Role Playing, they won the Origin Award for the best role playing game, Force and Destiny, and they kept the trifecta going. And they also won. The Origins Fan Favorite RPG Award of 2016. It's about time. Congratulations. Congratulations. 
FFG. Uh, That's right. And the winner of the Out of Left Field Award goes to the Adversary Cards Series 2. Uh, we were graced and blessed and surprised this week for an announcement from Fantasy Flight Games that they released three more sets of their wonderful and very handy adversary cards, uh, Creatures of the Galaxy, Imperials and Rebels 2, and Hunters and Force Users. Awesome. Uh, creatures of the Galaxy includes such wonderful uh, creatures as the Rancor, the Wampa, and the Nexu. Imperials and Rebels 2 pulls a lot from the um, the Age of Rebellion game book, as well as some stuff from some of the other modules. Imperial Dungeoneers, Cave Troopers, uh, uh, Imperial Assassins, and the Dark Trooper. And Hunters and Force Users include a bunch of the kind of um, hidden Force Users of the galaxies, Fallen Jedis, the Accomplished Mechanic, Cautious Smuggler, as well as some more powerful Hunters than, than released in the Scum and Villainy set, including a Droidica. Oh. Um, I believe these cards are technically available now, although I think they're just going to take some time to get out to the stores. Uh and they will most likely definitely have them at Gen Con, along with the Soldier career book, Forged in Battle, as that is currently listed as On the Boat, and it will very likely be here in time for Gen Con. Yeah, no match for Droidek, huh? <laughs> no, no. That's awesome. That's great. Fantastic yes. stuff. All that from Final Fantasy Games. <laughs> Final Fantasy Games, that's right. They had a great day. You know, a, a reporter caught up with Jay Little because his name was on the on the role-playing award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they, they caught up to him and said, hey, what do you think, Jay? And, he, and, and uh, he was reportedly, he said, I'm not really involved with the line anymore, but it's about fucking time. I was like, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty freaking awesome. And if you guys want to see more of these awesome announcements and you would like to, uh, you know, also the, the products we talked about, especially the adversary cards and more about Forged in Battle, you can, of course, find it at FFG's website at uh, fantasyflightgames.com. And while you're in the browsing mood, you should head over where the hits keep on coming to the only gaming blog on the Internet with 24 flavors of hot edible loungewear, <laughs> d20radio.com. The <laughs> finest gaming minds out there continue to bring you the best fan-generated content at the D20 Radio blog. Highlights from this past week. The incomparable Adam Lee treated us to the critically lauded Italian superhero RPG, Urban Heroes. Um, he reviewed it with a really great review that kind of digs into the mechanics, the character creation, and more. And Adam pulls no punches, but gives a really good review of Urban Heroes. A lot of people have been talking about it. It kickstarted to great success. Um, and you don't hear about a lot of well-kickstarted, popular, critically lauded RPGs coming out of Italy. So mm. um, uh, it's, it's, you know, apparently, apparently there were some issues with the translation. <laughs> but all in all, very good, uh, a very good first effort from the company. So great review. Check it out. Um, also, our own Ben Erickson, Cyril, uh, returns to his series, The Workshop, with a very meta GM look at travel time and action economy mechanics in RPGs. A uh, very nice brainy rant about what they mean to games and gamers and how to use these concepts and the mechanics most effectively in your games. And you guys can find all that and oh so much more daily where brand new content lives every single day. 
over at www.d20radio.com. And while you're there, you'll also find a couple interesting links on the right-hand side of the website page. Uh, one of them will take you to our uh, forums, where we have a lot of community discussion going on at d20radio.com forums. And the other will take you to our Patreon. You can click that link or just type in to your web browser, patreon.com d20radio, where if you're a fan of the D20 Radio Network, the podcasts that are on it, um, the podcast you're listening to, or the blog itself, you can help support us with just a couple dollars a month, can literally keep the lights on, the servers humming, and most importantly, get our blog authors paid for the work they continue to contribute to our community. So, check it out. Yep. And we have, what, four, five days left? We have just a few days, that's right, left in the contest, dudes. We, we have two. We, so, we, we, have, we, we have two contests. Tell me, tell me, tell the me. The first... Is it a liner contest? And kind of like the ones you just heard a second ago off the top of the show. Make a liner. Make it good. And email it to gmchris at d20radio.com. Yes, you may be immortalized in the history of history. That is to win a copy of, what, Savage Spirits? That is to win a copy of the Force and Destiny book of Savage Spirits, courtesy of Mr. Sam Stewart. And oh, I have uh, not... I, Nexus I, I know. of Power. Sorry, Nexus of Power. Oh, wait, that's not Savage Spirits. I'm sorry, you're right. It, <laughs> thank you. Sav- I was thinking Savage Spirits. No, no, it's not. Nexus of Power. It's Nexus of Power. Um, uh, but yes, free copy of Nexus of Power. And I have only gotten a handful of entries. I know our folks typically wait till the last minute to do this stuff. Of but But um, get them in, guys, and you can submit as many times as you want, and we will ship you this book anywhere in the world. Email me, gmchris at d20radio.com, with the subject liner contest in the subject for your email, please. Um, and the deadline for this is July 1st, so get it to me. Yes. Likewise, to me, send your encounter contest email with the subject line encounter contest. Send it to gmdave at thegamernation.org if you send it to gmdavid d20radio.com that'll show up now too because I reacted the email address and it worked like a charm once they started getting bounce backs it quit sending me spam awesome yes so that being said 500 words those of you that are very verbose sorry 500 words so, if it's more than a page, don't bother sending it. So they're writing an encounter. What system does it have to be for? The uh, encounter must be for the system of your choice. Oh, God. It doesn't I hate matter, that whatever system. the system I hate is. That Make system. It for a regular party for that system. So if a regular party size is six, try and tailor it for six. If a regular party size is four, tailor it for four. If it doesn't matter, then tell me it doesn't matter. I don't know. But the deal is the three of us are going to judge it, judge, judge, judge them like judges that we are. Uh, sometime during the week of July the 4th. More than likely, I'll be doing other things. So the deadline is July the 1st, which is a Friday. If you get it to me before the clock ticks over to July the 2nd, you're safe. Chances are I probably won't even check my email to July the 4th or 5th. So you're safe there too. But July 1st is the deadline. There you go. There you go. And in chat, they're berating me for mentioning... <laughs> it's during Caldera saying, what, those are good articles, but you forgot the best article that posted this past week at d20radio.com, which I totally forgot about. It was a really amazing article um, about using X-Wing miniatures in your Age of Rebellion game. Actually combining the two games. Yeah, you know, I got, when Madness had their big sale, I got like two core sets and all that. You know, you buy two, get one free. I went over there and did that just to get the mini so I could use them for role play. <laughs> that was they're it. They're great. They're fantastic. I love it. 
Love it, love it, love it. Filbert, buddy, what do you, uh, uh, have you been keeping track of how insane the Order 66 Facebook page has gotten? <laughs> uh, it's been highly active. Uh, big nod to GM Hooley for kind of wrangling that uh, that herd of cats that is our listeners. We appreciate all of you and all of your postings. It's uh, It's been fun, and it's been highly active, and we're drawing a lot from it, so we use it more and more. Uh, that seems to be where the community is is sort of migrating to. And uh, I know that a couple questions from today's messages from the edge are coming from there. So if you have a question, you want to contact us, you've got something that's relevant to the show, that's where you want to go. Over to on Facebook or the Order 66 podcast group. Yes. And for those of you who still enjoy the larger D20 Radio Facebook group, you can still, of course, post there. Um, but it's for, for larger gaming discussions and banter, a lot of fun. Um, yeah, try to keep try to keep the Order sixty six group specifically for the order the, the show and the game, uh, but any general gaming stuff, as always, D twenty radio. Totally, yep. totally, it's as active as it's always been. And of course, follow us on Twitter at D twenty radio, uh, where we tweet and announce show info uh, regularly. Um, and uh, yeah, there it is. Well, now guys, I think it's time to stop down, check in with SWRPG Adventures and the most informative 140 characters or less on the internet with SWRPG's Adventure of the Week. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Let's hear what we have this week. Welcome to Star Wars Adventures of the Week. Brought to you by SWRPG Adventures on Twitter this week. An enthusiast is reenacting Clone Wars battles for entertainment, complete with real decommissioned battle droids that the PCs must steal for him. This has been Star Wars Adventures of the Week, brought to you by SWRPG Adventures. For more adventure ideas in 140 characters or less, be sure to follow SWRPG Adventures on Twitter. And remember, keep adventuring! The Twi'lek dancer is given a roofie by a hut named Cosby. Or not. <laughs> Cosby the hut? Waka mucha pajello pudding pops. Wow. I just went off into left field. Ah, uh, you went there. He did, yeah, and I followed I, like a fool over the edge. It's all right, it's okay. It's all right. You know what? I'm just gonna do this. It is meat time. So, hot off the heels of our last episode, uh, devoted to crafting and using NPC droids, all by listener request, we are finishing up our Servos and Circus 2.1. Servos and Circuits, not Servos and Circus, although it is a bit of a Servos and Circus, isn't it? (laughs) Um, That discussion, by really digging deep tonight into the specialization that makes the most use of NPC droids, the droid tech, which is one of the more exciting character choices in special modifications and provides a clean... An easy avenue for building and commanding droids. 
So now that we've talked last episode about how to craft them, tonight will be really about making the most of your droids with a promised return to our Well Isn't That Special segment devoted to the ins and outs of the droid tech. So grease up those hydro spanners, Gamer Nation. Wax those scomp links. And get ready for some clanker love. Scomp. As we build out the droid tech tonight. Scomp. On your Order 66 podcast. And what makes you so special? In my book, experience outranks everything. Great kid! Don't get cocky! I'm looking forward to completing your training. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. Well, isn't that special? Ah, the droid tech. Phil, we missed you for this last week, or last episode, man. Oh, did we did we did? Um, and and it sounds like you guys had a great discussion about using droids in in the game. We yeah. had fun. We had a good time. Um, but now we come, as you say, we come to the second half of the discussion, and that pretty much was the setup for today's show, talking about the droid tech. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so I guess the first place to start, guys, is what are these guys about and what they care about. Yeah, they, they, they do. Now, for those following along, this discussion will continue in the Wild World of Special Modifications on page 30, uh, where we find the droid tech. But when you open those pages and you take a look at this this specialization, you read about it, what they're about and what they care about, I mean, this is a very straightforward character, yeah? I mean, <laughs> yeah, they have a very strong, very defined role in the party. They exist to create repair, and lead droids. Plain and simple. True, um, but there are some interesting moral and role-playing questions that hover around playing a droid character. Okay. Uh, for example, obviously, they don't hate or fear droids. They don't have the... They don't feel that sense of stigma towards them that the sort of general populace of the Rebellion era has. They see them as useful tools for society, at, at least... And maybe as a whole new important class of life at their most um, benevolent and, and supportive stance on that. Mm. But how will droid-hating members of society react to a pro-droid tech? That's kind of the first question to look at. Dude, I mean, if you have a droid hater, I think they would hate a droid tech as much or if not more than they would hate droids. Mm-hmm. Droid see, lover. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Hmm. Hmm. And that's just one of the things, and that's really going to change from place to place. I mean, I, I, arguably you could say that the more civilized, the more advanced a planet is, not a society, a planet, the more droids are going to be seen as commonplace. Because we really didn't see that much uh, that the, the rebels were shunning the droids in any of the movies that we saw, and they certainly weren't that acting that way in, you know, even as far as uh, The Force Awakens era. Or at all in much in the Clone War, in not the Clone Wars, the uh, the Rebel the Rebels cartoon. Um, but I'd like to think that as you get more towards the Outer Rim, especially those planets that were invaded by the droid armies, uh, the more back culture worlds where there's a sense of pride in going out and doing your own work and not having your job taken by one of these damn droids, um, you're going to see that more and more and prejudice more and more and backlash against those who employ or support that life form in the same case of the droid tech your droids they're not allowed in here we don't we serve don't their, their kind we don't here. serve their kind uh-huh. all right yep yeah oh, yeah dude that's it but I, I was like 
you know, but having said that, Phil, I don't think that playing a droid tech, I don't, I, think, I don't, I don't, I don't think that means that you have to believe that droids are these sentient beings who deserve equal rights. No, no, you don't. Um, you know, there are mechanics out there who work on cars because they're good at it. There are mechanics out there who work on cars because they love it. You know, yeah. the, the same thing with droids and droid technicians. Um, you get some guys who are like, yeah, these things, these are a way for me to make money. There, there, there's a lot of droids here. There's a way for it to happen. And, and there's no moral ambiguity in here. Droids bo- broken, droids busted. I'm not going to blink twice about cannibalizing it for parts for other droids. Yeah. You know? I mean, I built this thing. I can destroy it with my own hands. It, yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. But I think all this can lead to some really great character questions for this kind of this kind of PC and some really great role playing opportunities and personal conflicts for a droid technician. Um, so, yeah. But I mean, I mean, to round it out in terms of what the droid tech is about, what they're a superb mechanic. Yep. Um, and at the very least, if not if not a, a, a master, at least a strong slicer, a strong computers expert. They because they have to be. You look at the droid creation rules, and you need you need a solid mechanics check more so than a, but almost as important as a solid computer skill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One you can't afford to fail at. The other one you would really be really nice for you to roll really well on the first time. You know? Yeah, I hear that. But not critical for you to do so. Which means, and since they both share the same stat, that you're going to have a high intellect. That is going to be your primary. Yeah, yeah. You absolutely should. Yeah. Um, but following up with that, a, a good secondary characteristic is going to be presence, strictly because it keys into leadership, as many droid tech builds are going to be both adept at building and leading armies. Well, maybe not armies, but definitely squads of droids. Fair enough. Fair enough. Armies in the uh, uh, sarcastic sense. Armies true, of droids. True. <laughs> Armies. At least a gaggle of droids. A, ga- a gaggle, a gaggle, a gaggle of, droids. of droids. Would you say I had a plethora of droids? <laughs> I would indeed say you had a plethora of droids. <laughs> I would say I have a plethora. Hefe, what is a plethora? <laughs> I don't know. Hefe, why you make fun of me? <laughs> why, El Guapo? Uh. <laughs> wow. So, okay, characteristics. Intellect, obviously, as you said, primary. Uh, with with presence being a strong secondary, yeah. What about our skills on this, Dave? What what are Dave? What are the what are, what is the droid tech looking at for its skill choices and 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 its skill limitations? Well, the funny thing is, right the 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 the, the technician career gives you astrogation, computers, coordination, discipline, knowledge, outer rim, mechanics, perception, and piloting, planetary. So. You know, computer mechanics, obviously your top choices there, astrogation knowledge, kind of rounding that out as secondary choices because of your hopefully high intellect. Yeah. If you go into the droid tech specialization itself, you get another shot of computers and mechanics, uh, but you also get cool and leadership, which is good. I mean, the obvious choice there, if you don't already have a free rank in either one of those, is to double up on free ranks Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, in computer and mechanics. Uh, but if your presence is decent, then cool and leadership are both excellent choices. Right. You know, that's, I mean, that's just the way it goes. Now, I'd uh, I'd like to see when, when you guys get to your builds, because I kind of ignored presence, but uh, I want to see, you know, if either one of you guys did anything. Actually, I kind of ignored it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't yeah. completely ignore it, but we'll get there. We'll get there. 
Yeah. So then, I mean, that, that gives you the, the then you know the next question is what about diversification? Well, this is the kicker, and this is the thing. You just laid out the skill list, right? And I see some diverse skills in there. I mean, yeah, you got some intellect-based skills, but, I mean, I've got perception. I've got piloting. I've got discipline. Okay, I've got coordination. And as we just said, none of those characteristics are really going to be high on your list. So this is also the one of the few specializations. I mean, I mean, we, we, we say presence because, yay, presence, leadership. But, guys, this is one of the first specs we've talked about in a while that doesn't have a dual characteristic that you need to pump up. It's not like surprisingly. Surprisingly, it's, I mean, I mean, you can you can pump up nothing but intellect and be doing extremely well for yourself. This opens up the door to allow you to ask a very serious question, which is: Should you diversify? Um, it's the biggest question you're going to have to ask yourself because the spec itself, as we'll get to, is pretty much built to be a one-trick pony, just kind of an intellect machine. You have no combat skills on your list. Okay, I mean, and ideally, your droids could do that for you. You have only one knowledge skill. I mean, considering your intellect, that's kind of sad. You will have to decide early whether you want to branch out with a higher-than-normal agility or brawn and be more than a hydrospanner monkey, uh, maybe get into some combat, whether you want to be maybe go, go push presence or, 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 or you know willpower uh, or cunning a bit more and maybe be a face character. And all of that really starts with your species. Mm. So I, I think it's a good time to start talking about our species recommendations. I mean, we and as a note, Gamer Nation, we are going to focus on recommending species that have a high intellect, as we've said, and decent presence. In other words, at least a three in intellect and no less than a two in presence. All right. But realize that if you also want to be a pilot or a fighter, you need to think about that physical characteristic that you want as well. But for for a pure droid tech where we're looking at that high intellect and a reasonable presence, consider the following species. And there's a, there's a decent list here. Um, and I'll kick it off with uh, the Star Wars staple of the Duros. I mean, found in Enter the Unknown and Age of Rebellion Core Rulebook. Shout out to one of my PCs, Lindsay, who's starting to build her first droid, and she's rocking a six intellect to do it. Oh, wow. man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How do you even get to that? That's insane. Well, we can uh, the, with about 400 XP. The games are going on for two years. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Oh, well, there you go. There you okay. go. <laughs> so there, there is that. Now, now, obviously, a Duros is not going to start with uh, that, but you will get a three in intellect, um, 100 XP starting for the Duros, free rank in piloting space, and a free advantage on any astrogation check you make, which is great considering you may be making a lot of astrogation checks with your high intellect. Um, a Duros is not a bad choice. Um. What else, guys? Because the Duros obviously comes out to me immediately as that high intellect character. What else? I am partial, and you'll hear why in a second. So I'm going to do the Chadrafan. Chadrafan, 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 whatever you want to call it. The Chadrafan from Stay on Target. Yes. Pull out your Stay on Target book. Three in intelligence and a three in agility, for that matter. Nice. They're little babies. Silhouette zero. Um, uh, 90 XP, but you get a free rank in mechanics, meaning that you could get a free rank in cooler leadership or something else yeah. without any issue. Um, and it's just, it's, it, to me, it's, it's, it's economical to have that in the, 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 the you'll see the way I was going with it. Um, uh, it, 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 it worked out for my particular build. I liked it. Okay. Phil, what about you? 
Uh, two that leap out at me, and they're some of my personal favorites. Uh, the first being from Age of Rebellion, the Mon Calamari. Uh. Solid three in intellect, 100 XP, and a free rank in knowledge education. So they get to leverage that high intellect by getting another, uh, at least a tag, in a, uh, in a knowledge skill. It's a trap! Uh, and my personal, uh, my personal favorite, I just love these guys, the Syrians from Force and Destiny. Three intellect is great, but a free rank in vigilance and you put all knowledge skills on your career list. Only 90 XP, but you know, for what you're getting otherwise, that's, that's, that's fine. It, you make up for it in knowledge, in, quickly in knowledge skill rank costs if you're going the intellectual route. Yeah, Syrians great. Um, yeah. Asrian's great. I know it's an odd choice, but I also want, want to remind everyone to not to forget the Nemoidians since we talked about Duros. Sure. Don't forget Nemoidians and Desperate Allies. 90 XP, not that great, but their three in intellect is worth noting, especially if you're wanting to be versatile and branch into a face character because these guys get three, uh, three in cunning and a free rank in either deception or negotiation. Yeah, that's solid. Um, very, very solid. One of the I did not make the build because I wanted to do something. I was just kind of, kind of enamored with the idea, but I almost went Droid Tech um, uh, Trader. <laughs> um, you know, going, going, going economic. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Be, because because of the idea that you know, a Droid Tech can be expensive, and I mean, you can mm-hmm. you can much more easily acquire parts, start the game with free money. Um, you know, each session you can start with free money. Um, it could it could be a, a good thing, but a Nemordian would be a phenomenal fit for such a build. Oh God! Now I just got this vision. I've been pl- clearly have been playing Fallout Four too much, as I just got this envision of a droid technician named Gene who wanders around <laughs> outer rim planets with droids that he's built. And says, I'd like to sell you this droid. I need the money. Uh, it's o- it's okay because I'll take the money and I'll go build another droid, and and then I'll probably have to sell that. It's okay, little droid. This is your new master now. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, you could have a Nemoidian. He could do all that except be able to talk like this. Uh, this you know, no match for droid. The droid of the droid, the guy, he said it to you. Um, <laughs> um, other ones that strike me uh, from Lead by Example. Um, mm. The species that are really underused, because I think because the book is less than, you know, these, these species aren't just as common. But it's the, a new book. The new, new book, book. New book as well. Um, the Ishi Tib. And and the Lanik both, mm. um, they have threes in, in intellect right there, um, one hundred and ninety five XP respectively, along with discipline and streetwise boosts respectively. They're good options for a diversified droid tech. Um, Ishitib is great if you want to go for a force using droid tech, um, and the uh, the Lanik is really good if you want to go for more of a smugglery droid tech. Yeah, um, mm. very very good options. You know, you you're ignoring the douchebag Munchkin. <laughs> Min Max choice of Sons of Fortune. Oh, are you speaking of the drawl? I am. 94 in intelligence. Hello, free knowledge education. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't ignore the four, intel, in, the four intellect at start. I made a drawl analyst for one of my last PCs. Oh, God. Yeah, it was pretty sick. Um, yeah, so there's the drawl. This is very true. So anyway, these are these are some excellent species recommendations, guys. And of course, there's always human, the standby. It's handy with its extra skills. L- very, it might be worthwhile if you want to do a diversification build on this. Mm. But 
It's not so much an XP valid choice, but I do have to call out, as you kind of mentioned with your shout out too, Phil, this is one of the few specs where I can say a droid might be a very valid choice. They they might. They, they might be a valid choice. And the reason being, I can pump nothing but intellect and leave the rest of my uh, characteristics at one and still have a perfectly valid character. You could. Um, so, and there's, you know, uh, furthermore, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of things you can, like, as, as we get to in the talents, there, there's one talent in particular um, for special modifications. It's the, uh, uh, in special modifications for this droid tech. I'm trying, God, I, it's on the notes. What is it called? What is it called? The very reroute bottom where you, where you can, re, is it reroute processors? Is that reroute it? Reroute processors. You can use move that. A, move a characteristic around. Yes, you can use that on yourself if you're a droid. Yes, you can. Um, and it actually calls that out clearly. So it's one of those things that. You know, it's a, it's a, it would be a very interesting, interesting thing to do. Um, hmm, I could use some more brawn right now. Exactly, machine mender would apply to yourself as well. Yep. So you know, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could even make an argument to my GM for hidden storage, and a good GM might go, ah, like, could I apply it to myself? Because if you read the talent, it says or droids that you own, right? It's like ships, yeah. I, ships, vehicles, or droids that you own. And yeah. I'm like, well, Duke, Kim, what about myself? <laughs> if, I, if, if I had a player do that, I'd probably be like, yeah, okay, sure. Um, so, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, okay, with these species choices, they're going to lead us to our archetypes, right? Mm-hmm. So like we do, we're going to break down the talents of the droid tech tree at a very high level. Um, some trees have a very clear line of delineation between the talents. Uh, not so here. Our archetypes are, are very large-scale groupings that really organize themselves thematically in similar ways. It really kind of helps us to think about them better, talk about them easier, but you really are not going to be able to follow just one of these archetypes for the droid tech because their talents really are spread across the full tree. Um, so any droid tech you make in the real world is likely going to be a mixture of the two. So keep that in mind as we talk about them. Um, so, Phil, talk to me about our first archetype, man. That would be the maker. Mm. Uh, it's the most core and simple function of the, of the droid techs. Uh, these talents are all about crafting droids from scratch better, easier, and with more features. Uh, by This is really mostly focused on the left two columns, um, specifically st- uh, hinged on several of these talents. Uh, Deft Maker. Not only is this one of the signature talents of the whole tree, but it's cheap at 10 XP for its first rank out of two ranks in the tree. And it halves the cost for building droids. Yeah, yeah, it also removes setback dice from those checks. But I'm going to say it again. It halves your cost for making droids. <laughs> so It's a big deal. If you're going to try and build that pocket droid assassin with the 37,000 credit... Uh, th- the, price tag to just get the parts together half of that yeah it's important it is a it is a no-brainer yeah you buy it it's done uh grit the 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 tree gives you three ranks of grit spread throughout and why because you need them because they increase your strain threshold and that is specifically important because of eye for detail (sighs) is a great talent with two ranks in this tree. You can suffer strain to convert successes to advantages on computers and or mechanics checks you make. Now, why is this important? 
because of what we talked about in episode 77, droid crafting. You only need a basic success to build the chassis and program that directive. What you want are advantages, because those are what really give you the bonuses and benefits beyond the normal of that chassis or program. As noted on tables 3.8 and 3.10. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, hidden storage. Another fun talent, as we talked about. And with two ranks, any droid you own can suddenly have secret compartments to hide your stuff in. Wahoo. Uh, droid uh, uh, redundant systems. It's kind of a bleh talent for 20 XP. It can come in handy when you need to craft something with nothing but other than your functional droids around. You can cannibalize droids for parts while keeping those donors functional. And that's not bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Finally, dedication, because you want to hire even even higher intellect. That's why. This is good. Okay, so we have all these talents for the maker. Dave, what is our other archetype in this tree? Well, the other guy is going to be the commander. And this is kind of the other side, leading your owned droids out in the field and really using them to do what you need them to do. So this is not just about command, but it's also about keeping your droid repaired and in top-notch function on the field. And, you know, the tree is host to some really good talents for this. Um, Speaks Binary is kind of the first one. There's, there's several out there, and it's, uh, it's definitely not exclusive to this tree, but Droid Tech offers it cheaper and faster really than any other spec out there it's just you basically you're granting a free boost die to any npc droid that you tell what to do yeah per rank by the way per rank it's kind of (laughs) sick yeah and so then you have improved speak binary and uh currently this is the only place you're going to find it and it's a it's a fun little kitschy upgrade to to the standard ranked speaks binary which now gives you two boost die when you exist it's it basically gives you an extra boost die no, it's different. Right? No, works differently than that. Okay. So. Um, when you order, what it does is, okay, when you tell your droid to do something with Speaks Binary, they just get a boost die per rank of Speak Binary, right? Right, yeah. What improves Speaks Binary is, is when you tell your droid to assist another character, like you, droid, go help him, and he actually used the assist maneuver, which gives a bonus, a boost die to PCX, okay? The droid will grant two boost die instead of oh, one oh, for the assist. Okay, that's assist. Assist. all right. It's, so it it's confusing. Turns every droid into a into a Togruta. Exactly, it's confusing. I had to read it like three times. <laughs> ah, but but realize that your 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 own droids can you can order them to assist you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> this is where I need to go with this next in this build. But anyway, yeah. Okay, and then that one goes to Supreme Speaks Binary. This guy, again, you're not going to find anywhere but the but the droid tech. And it's fun. It reads really, really good, and then you really think about it. And it's probably not as useful as you think it is. And because it's once per encounter, you grant a number of droids equal to your rank in Speak Binary, your skill rank in a skill for a round, which is cool, right? Hmm. The problem is they have to be non-minion droids. That's so, problem. Yeah. So how many of us in our builds built non-minion droids? They're expensive <laughs> as hell. 
Yeah, they really are. You know, so I mean that makes sense, right? How I mean, <laughs> theoretically, the way you know the way we do it, you're going to wind up getting schematics and and building them for a lot cheaper, and it's or gonna, you know a lot a lot uh, a lot easier. It's going to take time, though. And it's still going to take yes, exactly. And it's going to be a while. And I don't know. It's just not. Meh. It's it's kind of meh to, but still, it's what is it a twenty or is it a fifteen? Dude, it's like a. Uh, imp- uh, Supreme. It's a fifteen. It's a it's a fifteen. Yeah, because you're going laterally across there. But yeah, it's buried. You don't go from ten to fifteen. You have to go from a. 15. You have to go from a ten to a fifteen over to that fifteen. 15. Yeah. Exactly, and it's yeah. I, it's isolated. It's really it's not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's um, not worth it. So there, back on the top row, there's Machine Mender, and you're expected to keep your droids alive. Of course, three ranks of this talent in there help you do that. It's like surgery for talent for droids. Yeah. All right. Um. And then, of course, we just talked about the reroute processors. It's the same flavor as STEM application, but it's for droids, right? It's harder to get to, way down, but much fewer drawbacks. Then STEM application? Hell yeah. <laughs> Four strain? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> just do the switcher. Just do the switcheroo. Yeah, I love reroute processors. I think that's a great talent. Um, okay, so we have the maker and we have the commander. Makes sense. Um. Shall we talk about some cross-spec options? Because as we've started to do um, with so many books out there, we kind of like to really focus on those few specializations that kind of shine and stand out or those that are really, really bad choices. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like the soldier, for example. You really want to go droid tech soldier. I Actually, it's not that necessarily bad of an idea. But I, I Okay, so let's, let's talk about the good. All right, sure. What works well? What things are going to augment the droid tech the best? There's Anything that focuses on intellect. Explain. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's your big characteristic, so use it. Mm-hmm. Other specs that rely on intellect and intellect-based abilities are very wise choices. Basically right. anything technician. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole career. Dude, you can't say that about every spec, though. A lot of specs like we that we've talked about were like, eh, there's no real synergies inside your career. That sucks. Yeah, but not so here. <laughs> Not so here, and I've I've got an audible Dude, that I yeah. want to bring up, but when we finish, but yeah, the whole the whole career is is solid for your droid tech. Well, oh yeah, mechanic, outlaw tech, slicer. I mean, you get you get more grit. You get speaks binary. You get uh, inventor. You get. I mean, mechanic is is there's it's not direct, but still, it's it's there. You can use your intelligence. Yeah. Slicer is a good combo. There's technical aptitude and natural programmer, both of which would apply to the droid creation in terms of the um, uh, uh, doing the computer's check for the program. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, outside of your career, much the same rules apply, but there are some definitely excellent standouts there. Um, very similar to mechanic, the engineer's scientist, a brilliant expansion for your knowledge skills, and tons of ranks in speak binary, in speak binary and inventor. Yeah. And if you're looking for some uh, combat capability out of your character, you got to give a nod to the Soresu Defender. Word. Intellect becomes your attack characteristic with Soresu technique. Add a few small minion droids to harry your foes, and it feels very much like the Seventh Sister in Star Wars Rebels. Oh, that's the, the Inquisitor lady with all the little droids. Yes, it is. Ah, so... Uh, so good fun, good fun. Uh-huh. And finally, an obvious nod to the Sentinel's Artisan, also from uh, Force of Destiny. Not a superb synergy, but ranks in Inventor, and the Mental Tools talents are very useful. 
And the audible I wanted to call out um, is that Droid Technician is a surprisingly well, not maybe surprisingly, but it is a is a a ta- a tree to dip into if you're going to be any sort of builder. If you're going to build armor, if you're going to build weapons, you're going to build uh, equipment, anything, cybernetics, anything like that. And why? Because there are two ranks of eye for detail in this tree. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to be building and you're going to be hunting for those advantages, maximize your chances of getting them. Yep. I mean, it's buried in, and we'll eventually get to it, but it's buried in the cybertech tree. But here it's it's not too far in for that first one. And you pick up some pretty handy things on the way to the second one too. Yeah, I mean, you you really you really do. I mean, and and I don't care. Like hidden, hidden storage is a great talent, and it's not even anything you build. It's things you own. Okay. Yeah. So if I if I go buy a ship, all of a sudden it's got a compartment in it because I own it. Okay. Yeah. Hidden storage, great little talent. And that was the audible I wanted to call out, but that's just from the standpoint of of what synergizes with your your droid technician. What do we got for building your droid army up in other ways? Well, that's the thing. Because remember, droids are only immune to mind-affecting force powers. Right. So mundane inspiration, mundane mind-affecting effects suit them just fine. And doubling up your ways to boost your droids beyond speak binary is a very smart idea. I can throw a few ranks of speak binary at my droids, and they're all of a sudden attacking with two or three boost die, depending on how much ranks I have, right? Sure. But if I cross-spec into the colonist Politico, for example, inspiring rhetoric and then improved inspiring rhetoric, you better believe, can be used on my droids. Oh, yeah. And coupled with speak binary makes them even more effective. And the smuggler's charmer can do it even faster with 5 and 10 XP ranks of inspiring rhetoric and improved inspiring rhetoric. Although the charmer doesn't get supreme inspiring rhetoric. That's just the Politico. Mm-hmm. But, but still, if you, want to, if you want to have a quick, fast cross-spec, you got... You, you can you can always buff your droid army in that way as well. And then, Dave, you can always use a partner. Hey, me, <laughs> no see, no. No, uh, it may sound a little strange, but uh, honestly, any spec can benefit from an ally that you control who has skills that you don't, right? Mm-hmm. Just toss the toss a boost die your way there are some situations though i mean where it's thematically and you could say cinematically brilliant so this is um i said uh i said a soldier earlier but imagine uh you are a ranged sniper type character with a droid spotter <laughs> you know uh, i mean any range focus spec attacking from you know from a long distance is you know, can have an NPC droid giving him an assist or, you know, once or twice around. Yeah. That's I mean, uh, what the spotter does. That's their job. Yeah. A tracker or a spotter character with a droid or two that can that can assist in uh, survival or perception checks, right? Um, oh, yeah. You have a scientist uh, or technician that needs a second pair of hands. I mean, the, even the, the chat rooms talked about an archaeologist. Yeah. There's really... And you bring up this good point. There's really when we talk about this leads us into the discussion of the bad. There's really no bad. I mean, every arc. I mean, I mean, guys, would you just agree? Is there any? Is there any spec that couldn't benefit from having a droid companion to at least toss them assists? No. I mean, there's. I can't, I can't think of one. There, there really, really, really isn't. 
the only thing that works horribly is anything that focuses on multiple non-intellect shticks. So the the idea being, you guys can probably pick up the slack for a droid tech having also a single divergent characteristic, such as a great shooter who's also a great droid tech, or a great negotiator who's also a great droid tech, or a great pilot who's also a great droid trek tech. But when you start relying on multiple characteristics being really pumped beyond intellect, you're going to start watering yourself down to an area where you're just not not great at any of it. A great politico, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's it's there. So this is kind of odd in the fact that there's really no craptastic synergies because everybody can benefit from a droid companion. Um, it, it, you know, if you're there, it's just obviously you've got to want to have that intellect focus. Sure. So yeah. Any other final thoughts on cross spec guys? I don't think so. I think we we nailed that one pretty well. All right. Well, then, uh, shall we get into the build-off? Shall we? I like it. Oh, my. Okay, guys. Well, so Gamer Nation, as we like to do, we're going to put our own advice to task with a build-off. Now, the hosts have crafted our own unique droid tech builds, and we will be pitting them against each other. The rules are, each of us has 100 earned XP to work with, so... We get our starting XP based on our species plus 100 earned XP to advance the character with. Next up, we can take obligation or duty or morality as our first career dictates to gain more XP or credits as appropriate. But this time, for this particular show and this particular spec and this particular build, we've added a new unique rule for this build-off. Considering that we are covering the droid tech, we thought it only apropos to also have our characters construct one or more droid companions to be theirs. This special rule for tonight, for this build-off, is that each of us also had to construct one or more droids with our character using starting credits only. Boom, boom, boom. Plus anything we can get from increased obligation, which is kind of important. (laughs) Very important. (laughs) Very important. Anything we could afford, we could also get, regardless of rarity or restricted rating. Now, when it came to actually building the droid, I know, Phil, you went with just a flat um, success with no advantage, I think, on yours. I did. I I just said, okay, since these are starting characters, you really can't roll for stuff at the beginning of play unless you sort of make an arrangement with the GM. Yeah, yeah. So I just assumed that any droid that I quote-unquote built, I assumed success with no advantage, threat, triumph, or despair. Now, Dave and I, we uh, decided to, you know what, we wanted to build our droids with the talents that we had accrued. Uh, but, but consequently, it was on, then, then it is only fair to actually do the roles. Right. Um, so Dave and I did. Uh, and that, I don't know about Dave, but for me, that was a help and a hindrance. <laughs> <laughs> The funny thing, I think I just, I started this rolling discussion because I, as it turned out, I didn't do the build right, and so I didn't have a talent that I wasn't using a talent correctly, and blah blah blah. Anyway, I failed two of the four checks. I was like, "Damn, this is too hard." Anyway, I went back and I only failed one after I redid the spec. But anyway, <laughs> but still, I failed one. I failed one as well um, for my chassis, and I, I lost out on those credits. But uh, we'll, we'll 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 get into it. I Phil. Filbert, I, I think it's only fair that you start, man. Tell us, tell us about, tell <laughs> it's us only about. Fair, it's only fair because uh, Dave and I are blowhards. So tell us about your build, man. I'm, I'm exciting. I'm excited. All right, I'm excited to hear uh, about it. My build is MR3D, Mister 3D, nicknamed Murray. 
Murray. Murray was an assistant technician droid who worked for a family repair business on an Outer Rim planet. Every day, he would bear witness to the camaraderie, conflict, and intricacies of family life. Eventually, something within the droids sparked and created a longing to have those family experiences of his own. During the times when the shop was closed, Murray started to build a small hover droid. After several evenings of work, the little hover droid came to life, and Murray was happy. Sadly, Murray's owners were sympathizers for the rebellion, and their workshop was raided by the Empire. <laughs> During that exchange, Murray's child was destroyed when a stormtrooper blasted the curious little droid during the raid. Murray left before the Empire seized him as property, and setting out on his own, Murray started to work as a droid repair technician for whoever will hire him and spends his credits on increasing the size of his family. Oh, dude, that's really sad. That <laughs> servos will travel. <laughs> oh, man. I'm well, we part of it, like, that's like freaking Finding Nemo. What the hell? <laughs> I'm, I'm weeping motor oil over here. <laughs> well, you also look at it this way, is that he's kind of like, it's dead. Hmm. Perhaps I should build a more more uh, a more sturdy one next time. You know, so he's trying to learn the whole concept of family, and I'll get to that. Um because uh, uh, his motivation, uh, uh, where did I put it? Uh, his motivation is that he's his motivation is uh, family. He's looking for that familiar and family connection, but he doesn't understand it. He doesn't get the motions that are attached to it yet, and that's maybe something that, as the game goes on, he will eventually learn. Interesting. Now, starting as a droid, Murray doesn't need great coordination, nor is he particularly perceptive. So I'm going to leave agility and cunning at one. Um, Murray obviously does need a high intellect to make the droid technician work. So I'm buying that up to four. Uh, because I don't like to necessarily stack everything else at one, um, I left uh, brawn, willpower, and pre uh, presence at two. Mm. So that leaves me with 25 XP to buy up things elsewhere. Obligation. Bad reputation. Let's face it. Droids in this era are looked upon with fear and disdain. Add in the fact that Murray is a droid that makes other droids, and some of those droids have combat directives. This makes the distrust even more prevalent. This can cause conflict and concern when Murray and his family are around. Um, I needed the money, so I put, took plus 10 obligation, because I need those uh, additional starting credits for him to buy his family. Starting and living in droid technician. This is the basis of the build, after all. Five XP talents are Machine Mender, Speaks Binary, and Grit. And his 10 XP talent is Deft Maker. This is a key talent as it reduces the cost of building droids by half, as we emphasized earlier on in the show. Mm. Skill ranks. This is where being a droid really helps. Because yeah. droids get extra career skills and extra spec skills. Yeah. Astrogation, Computers, Discipline, Knowledge Outer Rim, Mechanics, and Perception. All from his career. Leverage that four intellect wherever I can. Discipline, useful for strain recovery and those rare times when a fear check might be called for. Uh, in between coordination, perception, and piloting planetary, perception seemed the most useful and made more sense than the other two, considering all three of those skills are hung off of characteristics that I've left at one. Yeah. Specialization skills, computers, leadership, and mechanics. Gains max starting ranks for computers and mechanics this way and the leadership to help direct his family's efforts. All right, so equipment. Starting cash, 3,000 credits. I bought a toolkit, because he needs one. Yeah. 
Arguably, I could have it installed in him, which, as I think about it, could be rather cool. Uh, but I think his family might need access to it on their own, as you'll, as you'll hear about a little bit later. So, 350 credits gone, 2,650 credits remaining. On to Murray's droid family. His experience with the Empire has shown him that his family needs to be able to protect themselves. So he builds four monotask defense bots. <laughs> 300 credits each, thanks to the Deft Maker talent. I decide to make them little hoverbot droids, sort of like the little training remotes that, or Darth Maul's probe droids. Okay. Uh, he writes combat directives for each of them, giving them f- a four-minion group with the following skills. Brawl, melee, ranged light. Wow. I buy each of them a 150-credit C-Def blaster pistol. It's not a great pistol, and it has the inferior quality, which is a little off-putting, but they're cheap, they have a medium range, and... At five damage, that's decent for a pistol. Yes. This makes Murray's Combat Kids minion group roll a one yellow and two green for attacks with their blaster pistols or for brawl checks for that happy hover droid ram attack. (laughs) Each droid costs 450 credits to make. That's 1,800 credits total. I then spend the rest of my credits to build two fix-it droids. Two more monotask droids at, 30, at 300 credits each. Unlike their floating cousins, I want to make these droids little small walking droids. Kind of like the pit droids. These two droids have repair directives. This gives these two droids computers and mechanics as group skills. They're only rolling one yellow die for this, but they're not going to be trying these skills on their own if they can help it. They're really here to assist Murray with his repairs and programming duties, granting him boost dice. It's another 600 credits total. That leaves Murray with 150 credits, 50 of which he'll spend on the droid equivalent of heavy clothing, another 50 on a comlink, and the last two 50 credits on two emergency repair patches. And that's all at start. Uh, With 100 XP advancement, I'm buying up mechanics to 4 and computers to 3. They're usually harder to make the droids and more consequences with failure rather than the programming checks, so I wanted to have a higher mechanics. I buy down the third column in Droid Technician to give him Grit, Speak Binary Improved, and Speak Binary Supreme. Speak Binary is really going to matter when Murray is able to build a specialist chassis droid and can then direct it to perform tasks with almost as much skill as Murray. Which can be key because that means that he can give his four ranks to that specialist droid to fix Murray. So Murray's going to build a spouse is what you're saying. Sort of, yeah. Uh, he ah. helps the spouse. The spouse helps him. Family. Murray and Mary. <laughs> um, this build was inspired by a friend of mine in the 501st Legion who is using their 3D printer to print parts for a larger 3D printer. <laughs> machines building machines. Droids building droids. Very nice. Well, and as a Saul side note, this is really reminding me of my mastermind character from City of Villains. <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> Because he was a uh, he was a robotics expert too. Very nice. So that is Murray, my droid who builds droids. Very nice. That was very nice. I like it. I like your lol. Chris, what do you have? Well, um, my droid tech build is uh, Apiria Arpalemia, Rebel Analyst. Um, I became infatuated with the idea of a strong intellectual character that uses a fleet of tiny remote droids to assist with research and information gathering. Um, I, am, I, I am, since it's been released, in love with the Diplomat's Analyst spec. 
uh, from Desperate Allies. Okay. And so I wanted to explore this really strong intellect synergy of the analyst and a droid tech. So can we call her Apep? Uh, well, Aperia Arpalimia, uh, or AP to her friends. Ah, um, oh, see, I was going for the ad ad. Yeah, yeah, yes, oh. it's, it's a- AP, AP to her friends, is a dedicated member of the Rebellion, uh, using her vast intellectual gifts to suss out patterns and details buried in the intelligence. Um, but she's notoriously forgetful. Now, I thought this would be funny. She's brilliant, but she has an ironically very, very craptastic poor memory. Um, firmly living by the axiom that you never remember anything you can write down. Um, as such, her data archives are everything to her, and mm-hmm. she's constructed several remotes to be her research assistants to help her recall info and find it in any of her archives. Mm-hmm. Um, a small fleet of tiny remotes crawling all over her, perched on her shoulders, her head clasped to her arms and flitting between her feet, continually just jabbering at her in binary, and she's always jabbering back. You know, at least at least she's never lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, family. So this is AP. Now, beginner character creation. To make AP, I started with my species choice, and this really let me first to force and destiny to grab, as we've talked about, the Surian. Um, ninety XP. That's not great, but a three in intellect is wonderful, and all knowledge skills are now career skills for me. This was my reason for going Surian because that is so important for the analyst. Um, also get a free rank in vigilance. Handy. Uh, so AP needs some moolah for droids and gear, much like Phil's build. She's going to take an extra plus 10 obligation to grab an extra 2,500 credits. Um, her rebel ties are well known to the Empire, leaving her a branded criminal. And that starts her with 3,000 credits to work with. Pretty handy. Um, now, I'm all about the intellect on this, so I'm going to pump my 3 up to a 4 for 40 XP, leaving me with 50 starting XP still remaining. I'm going to start in droid tech. I'm going to grab free career ranks in computers, mechanics, knowledge outer rim, and astrogation. All the intellect ones. Uh, my spec ranks will be doubling up in computers and mechanics, so those are maxed out for beginning character creation. Then, while still in my beginner character creation, I'm going to drop 30 XP and move right into Analyst, leaving me with 20 remaining starting XP, which I'm then going to drop on the Droid Tech's Machine Mender and Deft Maker talents for 15 XP and the Analyst's Technical Aptitude talent for 5 XP. Now, I've got AP as a beginner character. She serves, as she stands right now, as any good party's tech genius. She's got two yellow, two green pools in both mechanics and computers. She can craft droids for half the price and program them in 25% less time, thanks to technical aptitude. Now, instead of going ahead and, as Phil did, building my droids now, um, I waited till after advancement to do it. That way I could roll. Um... So with advancement, uh, with the 100 earned XP, um, AP is going to advance in both trees and keep up with some key skills. In droid tech, she's going to con- uh, continue there, uh, grabbing eye for detail at 10 XP, speaks binary, the first rank for 5 XP, two ranks of grit for 5 and 10, and then a second rank in speaks binary for 10 XP. That's 40 XP spent, 60 remaining. On the analyst side, she's going to, for 5 XP, grab knowledge specialization, knowledge warfare, and then researcher for 5, and valuable facts, which is key for her, for 10 XP. And then lastly, for skills, AP will grab a rank in every single knowledge skill she doesn't have, which is all but outer rim, uh, for 30 XP total. Core worlds, education, lore, underworld, warfare, and xenology for only 5 XP each. 
Um, and lastly, she'll now have a very important second rank in Knowledge Warfare for 10 XP, very important for her Rebellion analysis. But at this point, she's still running at a very respectable one yellow, three green pool for damn near every Knowledge check, and a two yellow, two green for Warfare. It's pretty good. At this point, AP is a very hefty analyst and technician. She's got big pools in mechanics, computers, warfare, and again, healthy pools in every other intellect-based skill there is. She can research things on the fly. She can ignore setback dice when she does so. She can grant auto-triumphs to her allies. But her real power is in working with her droids. And... This is where I end the character with her equipment and droids. So with that starting 3,000 credits she's still hanging on to, AP is going to do her thing. She's going to need a toolkit and a data pad to craft droids. That's going to suck up 425 credits, leaving her with 2575. Another 500 for some padded armor, 200 for a holdout blaster, leaves her with 1,875 credits. And 1,800 of that will be spent, thanks to Deft Maker, on the materials to craft six monotask chassis, much as Phil did. And I did the rolls um, with my handy um, uh, Edge of the Empire Dice Roller app um, on my iPhone. And in rolling my two yellow, two green pool against a two purple difficulty for the monotask chassis in the mechanics check, um, I got uh, a success with two advantages using my eye for detail talent, a success with three advantages using my eye for detail talent, a failure, womp, 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 another success with two advantages using eye for detail, Another success with five advantages using eye for detail. And then my last one was a single success with four advantages. I couldn't use eye for detail because I didn't have extra successes to convert to another advantage. Um, But I had some really good rolls there. I was very impressed with those. As you'll see in a moment, I did not have the same success when it came to my programming rolls. (laughs) (laughs) Which amazes me because, well, well, the difficulty is harder, but still. Still, I failed one of these checks, right? I lost 300 credits. But I still have five functional monotask chassis, and all of them, thanks to I for Detail, have big advantage to spend on some serious benefits. Um, so I then programmed all of them with the translation directive, um, which I don't really care about the translation. I care about giving them distinct skill focuses. Each one of these monotask chassis minion droids will get three knowledge skills each as group skills in their case, since they're minions. Um, now, I then did some, uh, some computers roles, until I got five successful rolls. Uh, again, two yellow, two green pool versus the three purple uh, difficulty of translation directive. My first was a success with a threat. Okay. <laughs> success with two threat. Success with a triumph. <laughs> success with three threat. <laughs> wow. And then just straight success. So this led me to a very motley crew of five great little minion labor chassis translator research assistant droids. (laughs) Most of them all with personality quirks and all of them uh, with a few chassis upgrades, uh, thanks to my roles. And in true analyst fashion, they are named Arik, Besh, Kresh, Dorn, and Esk. Um, You know, which in Star Wars, A, B, C, D, and E. Uh, So I I, I literally... um, I also, in in determining which skills to give them, I mapped this out to make sure there was a good knowledge skill spread between them uh, so that that she could have these minion groups kind of doubling up. So uh, in terms of how their uh, advantage on the chassis and in most cases threat on the program directive was applied, Auric has narrow profile, which is a plus one to reflex defense, group skills of education, lore, outer rim, um, and the impulsive personality trait. 
Um, Besh has narrow profile and reinforced chassis, plus one to wound threshold, uh, with group skills of warfare, underworld, xenology, but he's got poor listening skills. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kresh, uh, narrow profile, again, group skills of core worlds, education, and lore, uh, who has broad, this was the one with Triumph, uh, has a broad utility, so actually gained computers as a group skill. Very, very, very handy. Um, Dorn also had narrow profile applied. Armor plating, which is plus one soak. Um, group skills of education, underworld, and warfare. Uh, but he has the abrasive personality trait, which I really kind of line that up with his skills because, you know, education, underworld, and warfare. Yeah, he's an abrasive guy. Um, and lastly, Esk uh, had narrow profile. Again, reinforced chassis twice. Um, and then group skills of core worlds, warfare, and xenology. This means that AP's little entourage of droids can work together to assist with research. Depending on how the droids are split up, they will have grouped pools of one yellow, one green on education and warfare, one yellow on core worlds, lore, underworld, and xenology. Oh, and they add plus two boost die on each check if she tells them to do it. That's extremely important because if her two ranks in speaks binary, if she says, hey, go research this, even if they're, only, they're not just rolling one yellow to do Underworld, it's one yellow and two blue. And that's a huge, important deal. Hmm. Now, even then, that isn't that great, but very similar to Phil's build, that's not what they're there for. Each of them constantly cleaves to AP. Um, to use their knowledge training to grant her one, usually two or three boost dice from their assistance on each of her knowledge checks. And their chassis modifications make them much harder to hit in the field. You know, it's like if every single one narrow profile. All this means in practice, AP will travel into combat with her team and her droid entourage clamoring around her. They will crawl over her as she hangs back in a fight. When it's time to act, they will act before she does, use a maneuver to get into cover, likely around her, while chittering about in binary and using their second maneuver to assist her. And when her turn comes around, she can then make a knowledge check to assist her team, ideally with valuable facts, adding usually two to three or more boost die to the check. Um, and that is AP and what a uh, droid tech analyst looks like. <laughs> so there you go. That's solid, man. That's cool. David, what about you? Uh, so, uh, so mine is a bit of a hothead. I totally went away. I just, I just didn't use any Star Wars lore for naming convention or anything That's, like that. You, you never do. It's okay. Yeah, and so um, my uh, my droid tech is a little man with little droids who has anger issues, and so uh, his name is Tito Testosterino. That's right. And he is a Shadra fan with a temper problem and anger issues. He tends to pop off and get pissed off pretty quickly and kind of has a bad reputation for doing so. Uh Uh-huh. It turns out that's his obligation. So he's increased it to get more starting credits. Kind of like, didn't Phil, didn't your character have bad, bad reputation as well? Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, sure enough. Um, it, in the end, in the end, I mean, he is truly in it for himself. He's assembled a little team of dudes to help him in his pursuits, and I mean, that's it. it it's a, he's a simple guy. He's just always pissy, and he's just wanting to do whatever he can for himself. So, here it is with the, with the starting character. He's uh, 
of course, being a Shattered fan, he's three in intelligent, three in agility, and he kind of goes down that path of being that little guy who tends to pop off, gives him a little bit of a better punch with a weapon, gets a free rank in mechanics, which is, I mean, well, duh. He removes two setback dice with acute senses for a perception check, and, and he has still a zero, which can be helpful and harmful both at the same time. And um, took the extra obligation, of course, for money. And uh, so <clears throat> he tends to fight a little bit. And so being the, that case, he, I, I took 20 XP and uh, made Braum 2. Uh, also bumping up intelligence to 4. So that's 60 of the 90 XP right there, right? So he picks up he picks up range light so that he can fire his little blaster and bumps mechanics to three for fifteen XP. So that's basically uh, and then picks up a talent from uh, machine mender being the first one and that is his ninety XP for starting character creation. So I mean as of as of right now he's he's got he he can make some decent checks especially around mechanics. I mean it's a that's a three yellow one green pool for mechanics and and um, you know he had he started with. Oh, did I even say what what he started down the path with? He he started with computers and and uh, dang, I totally forgot. Anyway, his his uh, his computer check is two yellow, two green out of the gate, so it's not terrible. Mm. Um, you know, and it, it it's okay. But it, the where he really picks up steam is when when he starts to advance and he gets a fourth rank of mechanics for twenty XP, and now his mechanics roll is four yellows. And how he managed to still fail a check is beyond me, but he did. And um, the droid tech talents that he goes down are Grit, Speaks Binary twice, Deft Maker, and Eye for Detail, all that for 40 XP. Then we go over to Outlaw Tech. Spend 20 XP to go over there. Pick up Tinkerer and another rank in Grit. And then finally, most importantly, because he does fight, he gets toughened to give us plus two wound threshold. (laughs) So that's 40 more XP. That's our 100 XP in advancement. And uh, there you go. He, uh, he now has got his ex- equipment and uh, 3,000 credits to spend. So he needs a toolkit. And uh, he, uh, he gets an HL250 blaster pistol since he's a bit of a hothead. So he gets a little bit of a better blaster pistol for 450 <sighs> credits. Heavy clothing just for an additional soak. And... Um, and then he, he, the same basic path as you guys, right? He wants some monotask droids that are going to help him be a better bad guy. A little bit more beat stick and a little bit of slicing skill that he wants to help, right? So he gets materials for five droids, 1,500 credits again. Thank you very much for Deathmaker. Uh, or not Deathmaker. Yeah, that's Deathmaker. Sorry. Um. So monotask droids, five of them, and I rolled them. I did the same thing Chris did. I I I, I um roll, I advanced down the path and then rolled them up again. So the first droid, um, Zulu, we're calling him. He was a, he was a success with a triumph, and one advantage to get an arrow profile. Uh, and I used the triumph to do a network slicing uplink. Ooh, what's what, what's the network slicing uplink? Um, 
I forget. Exactly. Oh, it's a it's a free yeah, it's, uh, it's a free cybernetic in- implant. It's, it's a it's a cybernetic implant that you get for for doing a for for having the triumph. That's awesome. Okay. Right. Okay. So he basically he's going to be the slicer helper guy if he can't just do it on his own. Uh, then the other droids. I what I wanted to do was I wanted to have two slicers and three um, three beat sticks, but I failed one of them, so I wound up with one slicer and three beat sticks. So. Um, the next guy was uh, Foxtrot, and uh, he had a success to advantage, so it got him near a profile as well. Um, the the next guy, November, three success. One of them was a triumph, um, but he picked up two threat. And uh, so we used the triumph there to get a chassis schematic. So now all the monotask chassis, this is cool. Everything that Tito makes from now on for monotask chassis are now simple. Yeah. One purple. I, I should have applied it to Droid 4 and 5, but I didn't. Uh-huh. I guess, I, I don't know. But anyway, I wound up failing Droid 4, and it and it wouldn't have mattered because I didn't roll any successes. I rolled all advantage on that roll. It was the yeah. craziest thing you ever saw. Um, So that one went away. I spent, I, you know, wasted 300 credits on that guy. And then Droid number 5, Um, so we've got Zulu, Foxtrot, November, and then Droid number 5, uh, Steve. Steve, yep. Zulu, Foxtrot, November, and Steve. That's right. Uh, you know, you kind of go with the the whole uh, Inky, Pinky, Blinky, and Clyde, right? From the from I that, like it. that was going through my head from Pac Man. I don't know why. Um, he had a success with six advantage. God, there you go. Yep. So he gets a cybernetic weapon implant and armor plating gives him you know one plus plus one soak. Very nice. Um, so. Of the four droids that I created, three of them are obviously going to be combat, and so we're going combat directives. Um, and we're giving them all range light. And um, uh, thanks to a triumph on the rolls, um, um, November and Foxtrot um, get two ranks, um, and then they all get ranged heavy and gunnery, and then uh, they get, they're they all going to get a, a, a rank in mechanics thanks to Steve's freaking awesome rolls. Um, the slicer is going to go, it went labor and there we, uh, we had two success for advantage. And so he gets two ranks in computers. Very nice. Um, so basically what I've got is a character that has some range combat because he's got a blaster and he's got three in agility. So it's not too, it's not terrible. You know, one, one, one yellow, two green. Um, and he has three droids that have varying degree of skill with, uh, with weapons and, you know, so basically he's a he's kind of a beat stick. Um, one of um, I, I and here's the thing: I spent two I spent twenty three hundred fifty credits, so I didn't have enough to buy two blasters outright. So I decided I was going to craft them because the templates are two hundred credits a piece, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I hadn't even considered that. So I I decided to craft them, and I failed one of them. So I, I spent six hundred bucks, six hundred credits on 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 uh, on doing blasters, and 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 I needed two for the three for the three droids. One of them already had a cybernetic. So I crafted uh, the first blaster, got two success, two advantage. So he gets an energy pistol that can hit at increased range. So he's got long range now. <laughs> and then blaster number two, who went to November, um, I I failed before 
on that guy. And so then I had to roll it up again. And But I got the same two success, two advantage. So they, they both have the same exact energy pistol. Which is uh, which is basically the same deal, right? Which is uh, which is going to be what six damage with a three uh, with a three crit, yeah. And it has knockdown, which isn't bad for your your little droid minion to be able to knock down a foe. No, not <gasps> bad at all. So that wound up costing twenty nine hundred and fifty credits. I've got fifty credits left over, and now droid chassis of this variety are now simple for me to make. One purple, I should be able to. To really, given the fact that I'm a four yellow, I should be able to build these things really, really well in the future. And cool. so now, you know, he's got a droid who can slice. He's got a minion group that hits for six damage with knockdown at long range and uh, can act with three boost dice when commanded to do so. So it's not terrible. And the idea with your with your schematic, too, is you realize that you have a much higher likelihood of those droids getting blown away because they're combative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's and why I knew I was going to have to build more. And their thresholds and so, stink. They're awful. So What's that? Their th- their wound thresholds are just pathetic cuz they're yeah, like, cuz they're min- they're like four cuz they're minion chassis droids. Um, yeah, exactly. So I mean, that's just the way of it, right? So you're going to be building more, might as well make them easy. Very cool. Very, very cool. I didn't even think about building building weaponry, and uh, that makes... That or, was genius. Or was armor. Genius. I could have built armor. Why did I spend mm. 500 credits on armor? I could have built it. Mm. I um, One uh, audible I do need to call on you, Dave. Um, hmm. Because these are mono, monotask droids, they're minions, so they don't get skill ranks. They just get those skills added to their rank list. Oh, right. Okay. They have to, they have to act in in concert. It's a group, yeah. It's a group. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, I kind of yeah, yeah. I kind of meant that, but I don't think I said that. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to call it out because you do mention like, oh, this one's got two ranks and this one gets one rank. I'm like, Ugh. let's yeah. clarify that before someone calls us on it. Yeah, <laughs> no, and this this is the, you bring up a good point. Now, now, interestingly enough, now none of us went with this with our build because we have fun and we we make what we want to make, right? Right. But there is the uh, God. Well, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. The program directive. It regardless of what kind of of chassis you've given the droid. Um, the elimination directive. <laughs> uh, I'm pulling it up now. Yeah, the elimination directive. Now it, it's this is this is a five purple check. Yep. But the thing is, you can try it as often as you want, right? It's not like you lose. Yep. It's not like you lose the chassis. So if you have the time and patience, you could turn a minion chassis into a nemesis droid with the right programming at no extra cost. At no extra cost. And, and wait a second. Wait a second. Say that again. Five purple difficulty, all right, is the elimination directive. And it says here, if the chassis does not already make it a nemesis NPC, a droid program with elimination directives becomes a nemesis. It it gains a strain threshold equal to its wound threshold. It takes a five purple check... 168 hours of programming, and if you put this on a monotask droid, you have a three-threshold nemesis. Yeah, this is worth noting. But, 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 they get four ranks in three different combat skills. So pick three different combat skills, and they get to rank four in it. Uh, Yeah, two ranks in one, and one rank in the other two. Is that how that works? Yeah, four ranks... In three different combat skills. Oh, see, I read that as rank four in three different combat skills. Yeah, I, I that seems a little too good. Yeah, it does actually. The way you say it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, 
But four ranks and three different combat skills. Cool two, knowledge Denology one, mechanics two, stealth two, and adversary two from a talent perspective. <laughs> knowledge Denology, because you have to know how to murder someone. <laughs> Lethal blows three plus thirty to any critical injury. I mean it's it's like I, I want I just I want someone to build a labor droid monotask chassis with this elimination directive so bad. <laughs> you you cre- you can create a sniper. I mean, droid. I mean, and it would just be the most little unobtrusive little thing. Yeah. Now, okay, these are good builds, guys. These are a lot of fun. But I, I'd like to point out something very obvious that maybe our listeners may have picked up on by now. All of us chose to build little bitty groups of minion droids. Mm-hmm. Can you build a rival droid or a nemesis droid? Who can follow you around and assist you? Absolutely, yes. I you almost can. did it. In fact, I was asking you guys. I just I couldn't make the numbers work given what we had to create a combat chassis. I'm telling you right now, though, you will Phil. Tell me if I'm crazy on this. You mm-hmm. will get by and large more bang for your buck building a cadre of minions than you will building a rival. For Three times yeah, for a hundred and eighty thousand for a hundred and eight for eighteen hundred credits, you can build a six minion group combat horde. And you can do that with a starting character. I mean, and you can do that with a starting character. That, that that's insane. Um, yep. That's insane. And even if you're not doing that, as I hope we've made clear, the real power in the minion droids is the, is the wonderful little maneuver that no one ever uses called assist. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And he don't it doesn't you don't even have to be trained in the skill, <laughs> okay? If you're adjacent to a character, you can assist them on a skill check. Now the GM obviously is gonna is gonna throw their own to keep it from being broken. It's gonna adjudicate it thusly. Sure. I mean, like like for example, if it's a specialized thing like like knowledge, okay, uh, I typically won't allow an assist unless somebody has a rank in that, okay? Or if they're a minion, it's got to be on their group skill list, okay? Sure. Um, you know, if you if you uh, want to assist on a ranged attack roll, you better have a ranged weapon that you can you know assist with some covering, you know, some 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 assisting fire. Okay? Or argue that you know you've got binoculars or some kind of enhanced perception, so you can do a spotter thing. Exactly. Okay, but but that's that that's kind of where it comes into play. So so by and large, I mean w- under, under sensible reasons, those minions are going to be able to do a lot to assist your character, and and that's the real real obvious power of the droid tech. So there you go. So there. There you go. Very good stuff. Guys, we want to know what you think of our builds and we want you to vote. Um you will of course uh following the airing of this episode be able to go to the forums at d20radio.com slash forums and vote uh on the Order sixty six boards, uh Order sixty six podcast boards about which build you like the best. But you will also find a poll up on the Order sixty six Facebook page in short order, that is being managed by GM Hooley, um, where you will be able to go on and vote for your preferred build there as well. So, very exciting. Very, very exciting. Good builds, folks. Good builds. Fun builds. This, this has been a fun discussion. I'm, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. But now I think it's time for this. He doesn't seem to take a hint, this guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the Edge. 
Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. Messages from the Edge. Mm. Boy, oh boy. You know, we love this regular show segment because we answer your questions. Mm-hmm. Game questions and rules questions about the system. And you may be asking yourself at this very moment, how can I get these guys to answer my questions? And that's a good question to ask. And the answer is, the easiest way is to go to the forums, post it at d20radio.com slash forums. And you will find messages from the Ed thread on the Order 66 podcast boards. Or, as more people and more people and more people are doing these days, you can go to Facebook and find us on our Order 66 podcast page and post your question there. You can also email us, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave, d20radio.com, gmville at d20radio.com. And that's it. Or, actually, you can call us. Leave a question on the voicemail line, D20 Radio Hotline, 262 D20 Radio, 262 320 7234. Only for the bravest of you. And we haven't gotten one in a long time. So if we get, mm-hmm. just saying, I bet we'll prioritize it. Mm. Just yeah. Our, 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 tend to. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. So tonight's first question with, uh, with no fanfare whatsoever. Our first question comes to us from John Ryan. And it goes a little into spoiler territory if you're playing Chronicles of the Gatekeeper, so listener beware on this. You have five seconds to turn off the show. If you're running the adventure, you may want to pay attention to John's question. In Chronicles of the Gatekeeper, there are creatures called Moraband Sith Phantasm and the Phantasmal Beast of Maraband. Since these are illusions and force manifestations, would a droid even perceive these creatures? Thanks. It is a good question. Uh, good interpretive question, too. Uh, just from the basics, droids are immune to mind-affecting force powers, per the rules for them on page 47 of Edge of the Empire. And this question is furthered by the description of the misdirect power on page 296 of Force and Destiny, which states that a target of illusions generated by misdirect must be a living target. So it seems to insinuate that droids would not be susceptible to force illusions. Because droids are not alive. Correct. So purely from a mechanical standpoint on those descriptors, I'd say that a force-generated illusion cannot be perceived by a droid. However, looking at the description of the, of the uh, phantasmal beasts in the, uh, in the Chronicles of the Gatekeeper adventure, it is specifically stated that the actual disposition of these beasts is in question. Whether they are animals twisted by the dark side or illusions of the force, it is impossible to say. That's the quote that describes these beasts. Yeah, ah. yeah. yeah. Makes these, it things, these things are inflicting real wounds, which tells me that they are able to manipulate matter to some degree, even if they are illusions. My call? Keep it nebulous. Have the droids suffer even more penalties to see them than the other PCs. Maybe the shadowy cloud that they're enveloped in also blinds the tech used that droids use to see. Were I running this module, I would definitely have them hit the droids so that the droid can perceive that something hit them. Yeah. Now, the Moribond Sith Phantasm is a slightly different thing entirely, but they are called out as a creature of illusion. Uh, you're specifically using a willpower characteristic to attack it. But they're also called out as being no more ghosts than a holocron gatekeeper, which is really more of a hologram than a force-generated illusion. So I would have it that the droid is able to perceive it. 
since droids can see holograms, and that's basically what gatekeepers are. Yeah. Attacking this phantasm, that's a different matter. It doesn't say in the rules, but I'd make it a little harder for the droid to exert its will over this phantasm, but not impossible, because that's no fun. My personal recommendation is to add one failure to any attacks made by the droid against the phantasm. Finally, just to round it all out, in the event of a pure Force Ghost or Sith Spectre, those are pure manifestations of the Force, and I would not have any droid or other electronic device able to perceive them. Mm. That's Mm. my call. What do you guys think? If the entity can do physical damage to a droid, the droid should be able to perceive it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is, I, I think, I think this is fundamental. Yeah. The gatekeeper yeah. himself, again, he's a hologram. The droid should be able to perceive him. Right. Um, the only thing I would disagree with you on is in terms of attacking the phantasm. Okay. Um, I wouldn't do add one failure. I would, okay. I would, I would, I would check. No, to me, this is the perfect example of a environmental or situational modifier. That's a setback. Mm. That's a setback die. Okay, that's cool. All right, yeah, um, I can go with that. Uh, just, yeah. just you know, one more, one more reason to use a setback tie, and the other reason too is if the droid has brace or anything, you know, you know what I'm saying? There's something there, that could could negate that setback could die. Any, any, t- any time I have the chance to give a setback die to somebody as the, as the way of dealing with it is is a win for a GM. Good Cybernetic call. enhancement. Yeah. Mm. Other than that, though, dude, stu- yeah, stu- solid. stupidly solid advice. Very good. Cool. All right, second question comes from our Facebook moderator, GM Hooli. Do Star Destroyers have bay doors in the main hangar? I seem to remember having bay doors and on my old die-cast Star Destroyer back in the 70s, but haven't seen it in canon anywhere. Every game and movie reference that it has the bay doors open. Also, if a group of PCs wanted to steal a Gunzati which is parked in the hangar of the Star Destroyer, whilst the Star Destroyer is in hyperspace using the new cannon from Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> is it possible for the Gonzadi to leave the Star Destroyer and fly out of the hangar whilst it's still in hyperspace? Jeez. I mean, God. And then it also says, please cite any canon references. <laughs> I didn't realize I was writing a research paper on the intricacies of Star Destroyer hangar bays. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Willie. Um, looking in official sources, I haven't seen anything that shows there are armored doors that close over the main hangar bay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. When they when they lose gravity in episode three, those doors close. Different ship. Oh, right, different ship. You're right. Dang it. Ship. So, Imperial Star Destroyers, Victory Star Destroyers, I haven't seen anything that I recall. Gamer Nation, if you have a situ- uh, if you have a canon source, and remember what canon is now, if you have a canon source of the Star Destroyer having a closed door for that hangar bay, let us know. Um, however, one could reason that it would be a gigantic design flaw to not have a door for that bay, and that all Star Destroyers have this welcome mat for opposing ships to try to fire into. No, it's However, called shielding. Right! And, and maybe the walls of the hangar bay are as heavily armored as the rest of the outer hull, and that this open bay is merely an indentation that allows for the launch and recovery of ships. That's it. It's just an indentation. That's it. Yeah. I guess my response to this really is, if it has one, it has one if you need it to have one. Yes. Yes. There you go. 
Next question. This is, has some bite to it, and I like this from a mechanic standpoint, too. This was the, can you steal the Gazanti in hyperspace one? And fly it out while All the right. ship's in okay. hyperspace. Okay. We have now seen many cited references that hyperspace is less like your own personal dimension of isolation that we thought it was for decades, and instead is now working more like hyperspace does in some other sci-fi properties, like, for example, Babylon 5. You can communicate with ships in hyperspace. You can chase and even dock and board ships while in hyperspace. You can even now hang out in hyperspace, indefinitely seemingly, and drop out when you feel like it, as shown by the Resistance attack on Starkiller Base in The Force Awakens. The two Resistance squadrons were waiting for the signal to drop out of hyperspace and attack the, and attack the base. And yes, as the Phantom has shown us when detached from the Ghost, something can even be dumped out of hyperspace from a larger ship while they're traveling through hyperspace. If I had this scene playing out in my game, I would rule that the PCs can absolutely hop into the Gazanti and launch from the Star Destroyer. Because it was traveling at light speed under its own power, though, I'd have it ripped out of hyper... Because, I'm sorry, because it wasn't traveling at light speed under its own power, I'd have it ripped out of hyperspace and require a piloting or maybe even an astrogation roll to exit hyperspace safely. Yeah. I'd probably make it a stellar navigation check using those rules and either those skills for it. What would be the difficulty? Well, the faster the host ship, the harder the check. We've got this neat hyperdrive multiplier, and maybe we can play with those. Like, take the silhouette of the ship that's being dropped out of hyperspace and subtract the hyperdrive rating of the host ship. So anything less than, like, a times one multiplier, just treat it as one. Yeah. Uh, the other component of the stellar navigation check is calculated normally. Tap the ship's silhouette, round it up. So your Gazanti cruiser, a silhouette 5 ship, ejected from a Star Destroyer that has a hyperdrive multiplier of 2, effectively has a speed of 3. 5 minus 2 is 3. Since it's a Silhouette 3 ship, sorry, since it's a Silhouette 5 ship, the difficulty is upgraded 3 times. 5 divided by 2 is 2.5, round up to 3. So it's a hard check with 3 red dice. If this happened aboard a Victory Star Destroyer, it would be a daunting check with 3 reds and a purple. A Victory Star Destroyer has a times 1 hyperdrive. So... Silhouette 5 minus the times on hyperdrive is 4 dice, upgraded three, so a speed of 4, upgraded 3 times for the size of the Gazanti. Success, the group exits, hyperdrive sa- exits hyperspace safely. Failure, the ship suffers a collision. Failure with despair, suffer a major collision. Hmm. Again, this is really all off the top of my head and probably could use a little refinement, but it sounds like it could work and could make for an interesting role. Um, I just see a ship being dumped out of hyperspace with more mass as causing a lot more problems for those trying to control it than a Silhouette 4 freighter or a Silhouette 3 fighter. Again, just my thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I, really, I really like that idea. Um, it, it, to, to round out your, your idea even further, Phil, sure. the, the, the idea of the hyperdrive speed of the other ship is, is, a, is a pretty cool idea. Mm. Um, but if you made it just even cleaner... And I, that's I, why I mean it could use some refinement. It could probably use some I some mean, cleaning up. What I do mean, you got? Uh, honestly, uh, base difficulty equal equal to the silhouette of the ship that's being ejected out of hyperspace. Okay. So in other words, the the bigger the ship, the harder it is base. Okay. Right. Um, and then I would, uh, oh gosh. And you, this is this is what I was trying to juggle around with. Yeah, the, the the what's what's confusing is the fact that smaller numbers equal faster speed, right? Um, that's that's where that's where you, that's where you start to get that's where you start to get really confusing. 
Um, you know, and the idea is, has, has how dangerous do you want this to be? Right, right. What's, uh, I mean, what's the ultimate? Uh, what's the ultimate end game? Why the, are you, why make the check so difficult in the wh- first? place? Why make it so difficult in the first place? If if you don't, if you just want there to be a small chance of a major collision, then just say, you know what, it, it's going to be a base difficulty equal to the silhouette of the ship going out, and it gets upgraded once. Yeah, you know, just just upgrade one. That's, I mean, it's super simple. If if you want to do it, that and that's assuming you even want to have them make a check. And you know what? If if you, despite what the what the canon or pseudo canon or new canon or future canon says, maybe you know, maybe maybe they have to get the star destroyer to drop out of hyperspace before they can steal the Gazanti, and maybe that's okay. And that, gosh, that sounds like a really cool session. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, oh, we can't just steal it. We have to go. Ben Kenobi something and <laughs> disable the hyperdrive. And, exactly. That I mean, sounds more fun. I mean, that, that sounds like a lot of fun, but I mean, whatever works, whatever works for your group, man. I mean, it, it's, it's yeah. there, it's there, but, but I mean, shit, we, 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 we know now via Canon that you can do all this crazy stuff in hyperspace. You can, you can jump into hyperspace while you're inside the hangar bay of another ship. You can jump out of hyperspace in the atmosphere of a planet. Uh-huh. Um, but you know the thing is, we know those things are just insanely hard to do, and the reason right. Solo can do it is because he's his Han he's Han Solo, and he's he's got this he's got this he's got this awesome ship. Um, I also think, um, as a side note, now that I'm thinking about it, any of these crazy hyperspace maneuvers you wanting to try and do, I think your ship's handling should factor in. Oh yeah, good point. And if it's a pilot check, obviously it would, but but um, I, I think your ship's handling certainly should matter because we know the Falcon certainly got the handling to make that a lot easier. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, th- 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 these are thoughts. These are good thoughts. Hmm. Well, okay, we had a final question. Did we? I, and Dave, I think this came to you, didn't it? Yeah, it came by email, okay. actually, and uh, it was a little time sensitive, so I threw it in here, and this came from Anthony Cooper who is uh, getting ready to start a campaign in two weeks and needed a little bit of advice from the GM Brain Trust, and so um, figured I'd throw it in. Let's do it. Let's add, so, um, we got nothing prep. Let's ad-lib it. Let's do it. His questions are, how do you handle a hut PC? Okay. One of my PCs is going to be a hut, and I don't know what to do. Also, am I thinking too much if I question the backstory to their career choice? Should a hut be able to be a pilot? Should an astromech be the pilot? Should a dancing Twi'lek be the politico? Am I overthinking, or should I push back just a little bit? This will be the player's first campaign in this system. They're very much into role-play and story. I just want to make sure we have fun. I've already questioned some things, so I hope it's not too late. Chill out. Yeah, <laughs> chill out, Cooper. Chill out, Goop. Chill out. Um, dude, my, my off-the-cuff... I mean, listen... PCs are by definition the exception to the rule. Right. Okay. We've talked about this on the show before. There are stats in the book for a chiss. Do you have any idea how ridiculously impossible, according to the canon, it is that a chiss would be outside the ascendancy, even operating right. in the galaxy at large? No. In the rebellion era? In the <laughs> rebellion era. You have any idea how impossible that is? But it, it but you know what? Not for a PC, because the PCs are the exception to the rule. Do you know how how I mean? There, there's there's Salonians in there. You know how impossible it is that a Salonians going to leave Mother Otter and the other, <laughs> and the others to go gallivanting around the galaxy? Pretty freaking impossible. But 
they're PCs, so they're the exception to the rule. Same thing goes for the Verpine. The same thing goes for the Paulus Massen. The same thing goes for... It, the, the point I'm trying to make is, regardless of what you know the canon to be for a particular species of their culture, you have to understand that with a creative backstory, the PC is always the exception to the rule. That's what makes them an interesting character, and that's what makes them the PC. Right. Um, the Huts, despite their current state have a very proud history as warriors and engineers and pilots in eons past before they became you know the, the slavers they are now where they have people to do all this stuff for them um but you know there's nothing to say this person you know this pc couldn't be fed up with their current lifestyle or just be a youngin uh you know uh, who's eager to go out and do and learn things on his own and i don't think you should push back on his story but you should use it this mm. is this is role play Father, I mean, I would be asking questions like, "Who? What is your clan? Who is your father? How does he feel about this?" Yeah, do, do you, God, do you have? Does he have an obligation? Yeah, exactly. Play that into your obligation. I mean, because... <laughs> you know, and and, and it's pretty messy. And because this is the player's first game in the system, you want to be as open and accommodating as possible. You don't want to leave a bad taste in the player's mouth. It's right. the yes and system, exactly. Okay. There's my feedback. Guys, what about you? Um, absolutely. You you hit most of the points that I would bring up. Um, think about it mechanically. I wouldn't have a hut be an X-Wing pilot. That just wouldn't happen. Um, <laughs> but if they wanted to be like a freighter pilot, absolutely. Absolutely. Why the hell not? Why not? So he's got the so he's got instead of like the, the, the chair that's up to the pilot station, there's this kind of this giant like Shea Lounge type thing that's up there that he kind of slides onto to pilot the station. Absolutely, let's not pilot the thing. Absolutely, um, it doesn't have to be this huge corpulent hut like we see for Jabba and Zemo and a couple of the other guys that we've seen in the various media that's out there. They actually talk about some of the younger huts before they before they kind of settle down as being a little more. I don't want to say live, but you you know not not nearly as obese. So they're they able to move around. I mean, they're still ponderous, so they're still going to be slow. But yeah. yeah, there's some great there's some great picks in um in when in the Hut Source book, um, the Lords of Nal Hutter. Yeah. And Lords yeah, of, there's, it, it, that's where yeah. I was going to go. There's some oh, great yeah. picks. There's like there's like a Hut technician. He's got like a work shirt on and and, and gloves and stuff. And you're yeah. like you're like oh he's svelte okay so, <laughs> for Hut. <laughs> so my um. My my particular take is is very simple. I usually I usually, you know, I usually just cut right to the heart of the matter when it comes to these things. And in my mind, are they listed in the book as a playable character? Yeah, yeah. And so, what are you gonna do differently? You know, how do I handle a hut PC? My answer to you is like you handle any other PC. You function within the rules as written. You make some GM discretionary type calls, like G- like Phil just said. I wouldn't put a hut in an X-wing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a hut steal a Tie Fighter. You know, one of those little single things. I, I, I'm sorry, that's just not. Good. Oh my god! I just got a visual of a hut smacked up against the front viewport, just completely pressed up against it. His face is flat. Oh, ah. I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> red five, red five. Do the strike now. Do the strike now. Boshuda. <laughs> 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 
Hand Hut. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Porkins barely fit in the X-Wing. You think you're going to put the HUD in there? Come on. So, I mean, act with some discretion, right? And uh, and don't question their backstory. Use it. Use it as as good role-playing fodder, as Chris just said. It's, it's awesome. I, I really don't know where you were going with the questions about Astromech being the pilot or Dancing Twi'lek being the Politico. Who cares? What, the PCs are going to do what they're going to do, right? You're going to do what you're going to do, you know? Yeah, on a PC. I think I think I think a hut. Uh, I mean, I think a hut Politico is badass. Hey, something. I mean, anyway, bottom line, pushing back is a terrible idea. Yeah, don't try not to push They're back. They're very can. first time into the system, and you as a GM are going to be like, "Well, tell me exactly why you deserve to be a hut pilot. Can you please do that?" I would be like, "I'm out." I'm not playing in this campaign. I mean, I mean, being like, and that's the thing. A hut pilot's a suboptimal choice anyway. That's a role playing choice. That's yeah, fine. No, he's, it's he's, absolutely a role playing. He's going to have a hard time with that character anyway. Don't this is not agility a one, buddy. Yeah, agility yeah, one, yeah. man. This this is this is this is a, this is a tough character to build. But if he wants to roll with it because it's an iconoclastic character, that's fun, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I I'm, yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm yeah. It's that's that's kind of where I'm at. That's. That's there. It's a good question. So, yeah. Basically, all your questions are narratively focused. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anything can be anything. It, it may not be as well, or as it may not do the job as effectively as another PC or another species would. But hell, I mean, they're wanting to do it for a specific reason. Let them do it. Have fun. Have it's fun. Be a blast. Yeah. It, <laughs> if nothing else, you get to have the mental image of a hut trying to cram into a Tie Fighter. Right. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. But, I mean, you, gotta, but you gotta get your tail in there first, there, Jabba. There you go, Jabba. But but I mean, that's the thing. Should an astromech be a pilot? Should a dancing girl be a politico? If they're a PC, yes, they are. That that's the point of being a PC. You're the exception to the rule. You rise well, okay, above your. So you're not a dancing girl. You're a Twi'lek. You're a Twi'lek. You you rise above your station in life. That's the point of yeah. being a PC. So, it's yeah. And even if your station is is that of a hut. Ponderous. Can a Gamorrean be a diplomat? Sure. Yeah. Not going to be an easy or a great one, but no. he can be one. Hey, I mean, man. Hey, even the Gamorreans had to have a representative in the Senate. That's right. Gungans are now canon in this system, okay? And oh, they are. Lord. You know, you want to make a Gungan technician with their one intellect? You can do it. <laughs> go for it. You go for it. Yep. Enough, enough credit and XP. You can do what you want. All right. Game of Thrones time. Oh, wait. No, we got to end the show. <laughs> well, it's Game of Thrones time. Um, so, yes. Uh, great episode, guys. Thank you both um, for, for these awesome builds and this good discussion. And big thanks to our listeners for suggesting this, this duo of shows. Um, our next show, of course, is going to be in about two weeks' time. Uh, right now, it's I think that's June 10th, I believe. Um. July. Uh, excuse me, July 10th. Thank you very much. Uh, we are currently trying our hardest to make that episode um, all about Savage Spirits, which was just released, um, but still waiting on some feedback from some of our uh, developer resources uh, at FFG, who are kind enough to grace us with their presence to see if they might be able to join us for that. But we'll, of course, announce it well ahead of time to give you guys a chance to get some questions about the book in. Um, failing that, we will we'll have it we'll have it on an upcoming show shortly thereafter. But we want to know what you guys want us to talk about. Get to the forums at d20radio.com slash forums. Register. Post up your mind. We have dedicated sections on the Order 66 podcast boards devoted to show topics. And also, 
gosh, head to social media, head to Facebook, head to the D20 Radio Facebook group, or of course the Order 66 podcast page and post up what you'd like us to talk about, questions that you might have, email us as well, GM Chris, GM Phil, or GM Dave at d20radio.com, or call the D20 Radio hotline at 262-D20-RADIO. You only have four and a half more days now to get in the liners for the liner contest to win a free copy of... of it's Nexus not of power. Nexus of Power. That's what it is. Nexus of Power. Nexus of Power. And or also email the, the World Alien Invasion. Alien the World Alien Invasion. If you want to email your encounter, uh, your encounters to GM Dave. So very yep. cool. But thank you all for listening. We will talk to you next time. And until that time, we will see you on the interwebs. This is GM Chris, wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And keep the dice rolling. And may the dice be with you. This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, the Walt Disney Corporation, 20th Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio, visual, or textual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and the Gamer Nation LLC. (laughs) 